And a good afternoon to you, Roster Watch Nation. This is your local friendly trash man. Well, not that friendly. And this is the fantasy fallout from week three going into week four. You know, last week I said that with all the new rules that are put in place for defenses this season, it seemed like we're seeing a lot more scoring. And that is the case. Um, As of yesterday, and there's still a game left to be played, there have been 161 touchdowns, which breaks the record, um, which I think goes back to 2015, if I'm not mistaken, um, or 20, or or 2005. I think it's 2015. It's one of the two. Anyways, so there's a lot more scoring happening uh, this season, at least so far. At least half of it's been Patrick Mahomes. Anyways, let's get on with the matchups from week three going into week four. First off, we have the Jets at the Browns. It was a Thursday night game. The Jets lost this one 17 to 21. Sam Darnold's inexperience is starting to show a little bit. It's peaking out. He's played like a rookie for two straight games now, and the Jets have all but eliminated downfield throws from the game plan, it seems, which doesn't bode well for receivers not named Quincy Anunwa. They faced the Jags in week four, and that one could get messy. Bilal Powell... 14 touches, 73 yards, is running better than Isaiah Crowell, who had 17 touches for 51 yards, but he had the two touchdowns. That makes all the difference. Um, Crowell staying in at the goal line. You can expect both to get plenty of run against the Jags this week because it's unlikely that the Jets test the Jags through the air. They're probably not going to throw the ball very much, so you can expect them to run quite a bit. I have higher expectations for Powell just because I don't think they'll be in scoring position very often enough for Crowell to get some goal line touches, but we'll see. On the other side of the ball, the Baker Mayfield era is underway. The first pick of the draft took over for the concussed Tyrod Taylor, or Tyrod Taylor, I'm sorry, Tyrod, to give Cleveland their first win in over two years. The Browns may never look back. You know, he made decisive throws. He was 17 of 23 for 201 yards. And more importantly, he electrified the Browns' offense. They looked like a completely different team on the field with him under center. He didn't have any touchdowns, but there was a notable positive difference from when Taylor was helming the offense. Mayfield will start in week four against the Raiders, whether Taylor is cleared or not. Also, hold on to our man, Antonio Callaway. He only had four catches for 20 yards, but he had 10 targets. And he was just missed on several deep passes. I think he could have uh, had Terod Taylor place the ball a little bit better. There were at least two deep touchdowns he would have had on the day. So hold on to Callaway. Moving on. The Saints at the Falcons. The Saints won this one, 43-37, high-scoring game. Ted Ginn and Cameron Meredith saved their days with touchdowns, 
but they were otherwise afterthoughts in Drew Brees' offense. Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara accounted for 25 of the Saints' 39 receptions, with tight end Ben Watson coming in third with only five. I told you to make sure you picked up Calvin Ridley last week. And a seven reception, 146-yard, three-touchdown performance this week is why. Hopefully you used him, but it's okay if you didn't. He's going to be a major contributor going forward in the Falcons' offense from here on out. Make sure he's on your team if he's not owned yet. Ito Smith, a favorite of mine going into the 2018 draft, is starting to blip the radar a little bit after coming up third in reception for the Falcons, three for 41 yards after Ridley and Jones. Should Devontae Freeman miss, miss week four, Smith might be worth a deep lead flex against the Bengals who have been giving it up to pass catching backs if Christian McCaffrey is any indication. And moving on to the next game. Broncos at Ravens. The Broncos lost this one 14-27. Royce Freeman had a nice game. 14 touches, 58 yards, one touchdown. But that was without Philip Lindsay around for the most part. Lindsay was ejected for throwing punches before doing much against the Ravens. He wasn't able to. I think he had 20 yards on the day. He'll be back in week four, and Royce will return to being a flex start at best. So don't get too excited, at least not for Royce Freeman. Case Keenum, he hasn't thrown a touchdown in two games now. If you can't get things going against Casey in week four, everyone else has you might need to consider finding another option at quarterback. On the other side of the ball, Alex Collins had 21 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. He's the Ravens' best back, and it looked like it. Unfortunately for him, though, Buck Allen is still doing enough to stay on the field. Nine touches, 26 yards, and two touchdowns. That being said, I do think Collins is a good trade target People aren't very high on him right now. And I think his best football is ahead of him this season. John Brown led the Ravens in receiving again. Five receptions for 86 yards. And he's still available in two mini leagues. Make sure he isn't available in yours. And on to the next game. The Bengals at the Panthers. The Bengals lost this one 21-31. I said good things were coming for Tyler Board. But even I was surprised by a six-reception, 132-yard, one-touchdown monster on Sunday. Some of that action has to be attributed to A.J. Green injuring his groin at the beginning of the second half, but I'll take it anyways. Green should be okay for week four, but groin injuries do, do tend to linger. And Boyd should be in your lineups in what should be a high-scoring game with Atlanta. It's uncertain, but Joe Mixon could possibly return as early as week four. It might be a good time to see if Gio Bernard has any weight on the trade market after a solid 86-yard, one-touchdown week three. On the other side of the ball, Christian McCaffrey had a masterful 30-touch, 194-yard performance, but no touchdowns. Cam Newton vultured two of them, and C.J. Anderson had one, which was a passing or receiving touchdown which adds insult to injury. 
It's always going to be one of the downfalls of being a running back on Cam Newton's team. You know, when it comes to the goal line, Cam usually takes it himself. Moving on, the Giants at the Texans. The Giants won this one, 27-22. Tight end Evan Engram left early in the game with a knee injury. He seems to have escaped anything serious, but we'll need to watch his practices during the week. Sterling Shepard was the immediate beneficiary. Six receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown. And tight end Rhett Ellison. He could end up picking up some targets if Ingram can't go for some reason in week four. On the other side of the ball, Deshaun Watson isn't making it pretty. 385 yards passing, 38 yards rushing, two touchdowns and one interception, but he's producing. Well, it looks pretty on the stat line, but if you're watching the game, you know it wasn't that pretty. His O-line isn't any help, but he's got good receiving options and he should remain a top five quarterback upside candidate in most matchups. He should have a fairly easy time against Indy in week four, although Indy's Indy's defense has been playing up to their opponents, it seems. Anyway, moving on. The Titans at the Jaguars. The Titans blew them out 9-6. Marcus Mariota, he looked like he was throwing a wiffle ball on Sunday after entering the game when Blaine, Blaine Gabbert was concussed. And somehow, Mariota still led his team to victory against the Jaguars, who just beat the Patriots. It had a lot to do with his feet, though, which is a good thing for him and someone in his condition. He's still not able to make all the throws he needs to make. He'll probably start against Philly in Week 4, where the only Titans I'll even consider starting are Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. On the other side of the ball, it was a tale of two Jaguars offenses between Week 2 in week three, as Jacksonville put up less than 250 yards of offense and no touchdowns after hanging 480 yards and four touchdowns on the Pats last week. After watching the Pats on Sunday night, though, that all makes sense. I'll talk about that later. That The Titans were one of the best matchups for opposing receivers coming into week three, which is interesting. Jacksonville gets the Jets in week four. So it's an opportunity to write that ship. Fournette was close to playing in week three, it seems, so it's likely we'll see him in week four. It's good news for all Jaguars offensive players. I'd hold on to Yeldon, though. Fournette is developing a reputation as being somewhat injury-prone. We've seen it. Do you want more of the Roster Watch podcast? Well, now you can have it. The Roster Watch Pro Podcast is now available for pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. All you have to do is sign up for a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. You'll get access to all pro podcasts as well as our tools for fantasy draft season like the epic and magical mystical cheat sheets, in-season tools like the matchup tool, snap counts, touches, targets, touchdown dependencies, so much more. And then our DFS products, including the DFS cheat sheets for DraftKings and FanDuel, the Vegas tool, the Hyper DFS Professional Lineup Optimizer, and so much more. If you play preseason DFS, Roster Watch Pro is for you. We'll have weekly previews of the main slates, 
for all of our pro members mixed in with exclusive content from the 2018 Training Camp Tour. And then in season, you're going to be able to enjoy Byron Lambert's legendary trade cast, uh, the Waiver Wire podcast, uh, premium podcasts like our weekly DFS breakdown. All this, all our tools, and all the access to us that you can imagine for the lowest price in the industry. We are a nation. Join us at rosterwatch.com. Moving on. 49ers at the Chiefs. The 49ers lost this one 27-38. It looked like they were coming back. And then... You know, here in Austin, ACL has a much more positive connotation than it must have in San Francisco right now. After losing Jarek McKinnon to an ACL tear, it looks like Jimmy G has suffered the same fate. Torn ACL. C.J. Beathard is the next QB up. And he had three touchdowns and five interceptions and five starts last year. You know, I'd like to be optimistic, but Nate Peterman of the Bills, the infamous second-year quarterback, actually looked better than Beathard at the Senior Bowl last year, if that's saying anything. I don't know, maybe Beathard has improved, but it looks like a major downgrade for all 49ers offensive players. Matt Breida. Walked off an apparent injury early in the game to come back and put up 117 yards on the day. I expect to see heavy doses of him and Alfred Morris from here on out. Both of them you need to hold on to. Marquis Goodwin didn't have any setbacks with his quad in week three, which is great, except for the fact that Jimmy G is out indefinitely. Goodwin had some decent games with Beathard last season. But whereas before he would be a borderline wide receiver one this season, he's now relegated to wide receiver three territory until further notice. On the other side of the ball, really, what more can you say? I love Patrick Mahomes and the new look Kansas City offense. But as I stated last week, I think it's going to hurt Cream on stock a little bit, and I still stand by that for the most part. Yes, he had two touchdowns on the day, but he only had 44 yards. That makes him touchdown dependent, and we do not like touchdown dependent players here at Roster Watch. Hopefully, they start to run the ball a little more, slow things down, but I don't know. Maybe they're in the kind of run and gun until the defense, you know, just gives up like the Rams. Let's move on. The Raiders at the Dolphins. The Raiders lost this one 20-28. They had a shot at this one. I said we'd have to wait till week three to see who the real Amari Cooper was after a bust game in week one, then a boom game in week two. And I guess we got it. Two receptions, 17 yards. Just as consistently inconsistent as ever, Cooper will probably put up over 100 yards and a touchdown in week four. But will he be in your lineups? That's the question. There's so many options right now with all the scoring going on in the NFL. So I don't feel 
guilty about diverting from the Cooper course. Maybe you trade him and make him somebody else's problem. Fortunately, I don't own him in any league, so I don't have that dilemma. But it looks like he's going to be up and down all season per usual. Jordy Nelson saved all of his yardage so far this season until week three, where he had six receptions for 173 yards and a touchdown. I guess somebody had to do it since Cooper wouldn't. Nelson will be a hot pickup this week, as I'm assuming he's been dropped in quite a few few leagues by now. If you've been holding on to him, I suppose you're wondering if you should trade him high. Well, he hadn't topped 30 yards up to this point. And he very well might revert back to that type of output in week four. I just don't trust this offense. I don't trust this offense as far as Andrew Luck can throw it. And I don't care to have any part in it. I'm trying to trade Nelson if I can. Running back Jalen Richard reared his head again in this one. Six receptions for 59 yards. He's almost had a more productive season than Cooper at this point. I think he might be worth a look in deep PPR formats. On the other side of the ball, Ryan Tannehill has been solid so far this season, averaging almost 20 fantasy points per game. That's better than Matt Stafford. That's better than Russell Wilson. I think he's worth streaming in plus matchups. Neither Kenyon Drake nor Frank Gore had fantasy days you want to remember, but it was interesting that Gore got the start, technically. Drake ended up out-touching him 7-6, but there is no leader in this backfield, and that's a little bit scary. The Dolphins need to get wide receiver Jakeem Grant more involved. Two receptions, 70 yards, two touchdowns. He's got Tyreek Tariq Hill playmaking ability. If they get the ball in his hands, he can do pretty much anything with it. Keep him on your radar. I have a feeling Miami is going to find a way to get him the ball more consistently, especially since they have the Pats coming up and they'll need all the trickery. <laughs> uh, that they can get. Or I don't know, maybe not. The way the Pats have been playing, it might be an easier win than you might expect. One win that wasn't as easy as you might expect, or at least not for the team you might have expected it to be, the Bills at the Vikings. The Bills won this one 27-6. It wouldn't be the NFL if there wasn't an inexplicable outcome thrown in the mix and I guess that was this game although the Bills are better at defending the pass than they are the run you know they got ahead early early enough to where the Vikings abandoned the run they had only six rushing attempts all day so I guess it kind of makes a little more sense when you factor in that the fact that Chris Ivory managed 126 yards of offense against Minnesota is encouraging. Should LaShawn McCoy miss more time? But no one else on the team is worth consideration in week four, even with the win in week three. On the other side of the ball, well, if you had any question as to who Kirk Cousins favors out of Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, well, it's Thielen, resoundingly so. 
Thielen had 19 targets to Diggs 10. I suppose Diggs is viewed more as a deep threat. And Cousins couldn't seem to throw more than a few yards in front of him all day yesterday. Dalvin Cook was almost ready for week three, or so he said. We're now hearing he's got a good chance, whatever that means, of playing this week, which is more ambiguous than what Cook had said before, that he was sure he would play in week four. And it's a short week. It's a Thursday night game, so that doesn't help. You need to keep Latavius Murray at hand because it looks like he might get another start. Moving on, the Colts at the Eagles. The Colts lost this one 16-20. It's very telling that Andrew Luck was replaced by Jacoby Brissett when the Colts needed a Hail Mary at the end of the game. His yardage and yards per attempt has decreased each week of the season thus far. I don't want to know how low it can go. I'm moving Andrew Luck where I can. That shoulder, that arm is not what it used to be. And I don't know if it ever will be again. Naheem Hines is getting more looks, rookie running back. Only 43 yards in the day, but five receptions. He's slowly becoming more of a facet of the Colts' offense now that we know Luck's got a short arm. And so much for Eric Ebron, five receptions, 33 yards, capitalizing on Jack Doyle's absence. In his defense, though, a lot of the 11 targets he received on the day were uncatchable. I still think he's worth a shot this week if Doyle misses again. On the other side of the ball, it wasn't the most ideal game for Carson Wentz to return. Several of his key weapons were out, but he looked decent enough against the now pressing Colts front in the rain. He had 255 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Honestly, I'd rather have him than Luck right now. I'll tell you that much. His arm isn't degenerating. Alshon Jeffrey was close in this one, which makes me think he'll be on the positive side of questionable this week, which is a good thing for his owners. And maybe a bad thing for Dallas Geddert, who led the Eagles in receiving. Seven receptions, 73 yards, and one touchdown. It's an encouraging stat line, but mind that Alshon Jeffrey, who I just mentioned, Mike Wallace, well, he's not coming back. Jai and Darren Sproles were all absent. So I'm not that excited about streaming him in the future, at least the near future. I want to read more into Jordan Matthews' two reception for 21 yards line. But Nelson Aguilar only had two more yards on the day. I want to see what Matthews does on a day the offense is clicking before I draw any real conclusions about his addition to the team and if he's worth picking up. Someone who might be worth picking up, Wendell Smallwood. He outgained Corey Clement despite having six fewer touches. If neither Jay Ajay or Darren Sproles returns this week, and it looks like Sproles will return, Smallwood would be worth a flex. Actually, even if Darren Sproles returns, Smallwood might be worth a flex because he and Sproles have different roles. I think Clement's role is a little bit closer to what Sproles' role might be. 
JHI's out, Smallwood might be worth a long look in some deeper leagues. Moving on to the next game, the Packers at the Redskins. The Packers lost this one 17-31. The Packers got down early 14-0, so Jamal Williams became an afterthought. That running game largely became an afterthought. Didn't help that Aaron Jones was pretty effective in his return to action. Seven touches for 47 yards. Ty Montgomery was more effective than either of them, though. Ten touches for 64 yards. This backfield looks like it's going to be largely game flow dependent, and each back is going to be involved. It's a headache, I know, but Jones needs to be added if you need the running back help. He looks good, and they're going to use him. It's been three weeks, and Geronimo Allison leads the Packers in receiving. Mine, it's only by like three yards, but the fact still remains. Maybe now y'all will listen to me when I say pick him up already. He needs to be owned in all leagues. On the other side of the ball, Adrian Peterson bounced back nicely. 19 touches, 120 yards, two touchdowns after pretty much laying down for 20 yards in week two. His usage seems kind of game flow dependent, but his upside is enough to where you keep him in your lineup on the weekly. You know, I had hopes Joss Dawson, <laughs> and that sounded worse than what I, what, 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 what I thought I said, Josh Dawson would show up against the pack, but maybe that was asking a little bit too much. I've always thought Dawson was always overrated. I know Alex and Byron liked them a lot. And there's no reason to think any different now. You can drop him if you need to. And you probably do if you owned him. The next game, Chargers at Rams. Chargers lost this one 23-35. Mike Williams, four receptions, 81 yards, and two touchdowns, is the new Antonio Gates. Which is ironic because Antonio Gates is still a Charger. He had like 45 yards. Not so bad. Williams' yardage may decline a little once Travis Benjamin returns, but he's going to be a strong red zone presence all season. On the other side of all true to form, all three Rams starting wide receivers got theirs on Sunday. The Rams have a more aggressive offense than anyone in the league. I'll say it. They actually throw more than Kansas City. So there's always fantasy production to go around there. Jared Goff, the quarterback of the Rams, is unowned in about 20% of the league, which seems silly to me, especially since he's outscoring guys like Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. Make sure he's rostered in your league. Moving on. The Bears at the Cardinals. The Bears somehow won this 16-14. I said it before, and I'll say it again. Mitch Trubisky is a game manager at best. Whatever high expectations you had for the Bears' offense coming into the season, cut those expectations in half. That seems about right. For a minute there, it looked like Anthony Miller might have broken his arm, but it was actually a dislocated shoulder. I don't know if the injury will keep him out of week four. I think he's day-to-day, 
But with the lackluster Bears offense, it doesn't even really matter because you're not playing him. It's a shameful waste. On the other side of the ball, Sam Bradford is an embarrassment of riches in the most literal sense. He needs to just retire and go swim in his money like Scrooge McDuck. You remember how Scrooge McDuck used to do that? Go swim in his gold coins? It seems like it'd be really painful, but it's a risk you might take if you had a vault full of gold coins that you could actually swim in. I think Sam Bradford might. He's made a lot of money, and I don't know why. At least he topped 100 yards this week. But then he also managed to turn the ball over three times, you know, just to make up for that. Josh Rosen came in with less than five minutes left in the game and threw an interception. After he did move the ball down the field quite a bit, it was a ho-hum entrance to the NFL, but he can't be much worse than Bradford. I would expect him to get the start in week four. Related to that, Christian Kirk showed some signs of life with a seven-reception, 90-yard line on Sunday. He was Rosen's favorite target. You can see that. So that's a good sign of things to come. Moving on, the Cowboys at the Seahawks. The Cowboys lost this one 13-24. Des Bryant has to be enjoying this, watching this Cowboys offense. Hang by a thread. A thread that is Ezekiel Elliott. Everyone else in that offense is pretty much hot garbage. Not one other offensive player, other than maybe Tavon Austin as a dart throw in tournaments, is worth owning or talking about. So I'll move on to the other side of the ball. Chris Carson... Had a 34-touch, 124-yard, one-touchdown game to put all that Rashad Penny talk to rest for at least another week. Penny mishandled a handoff early and was sent to the doghouse. Carson may have been dropped in quite a few leagues since week two, so it wouldn't hurt to see if he's available in yours. He'll have a decent matchup with Arizona in week four. The Seahawks can't protect the pocket enough for Russell Wilson to develop a passing game. Tyler Lockett is the only certainty, it seems, and Brandon Marshall is just a high-profile name at this point. Moving on to the final game on Sunday, the Patriots at the Lions. The Patriots lost this one 10-26. Rex Burkhead injured his neck late in the game but it didn't seem to affect his output on Sunday night. Two touchdowns, two touchdowns, two touches, excuse me, 26 yards. Sony Michelle, 15 touches and 49 yards, is the de facto lead back in New England. He's the guy. He needs to be owned in all formats based upon his usage. If you were hoping for Chris Hogan three receptions, 31 yards, to put on a good showing on Sunday so you can maybe ship him out before Josh Gordon becomes a factor. My condolences to you. The Pats passing game was in shambles. The Patriots don't even look like the best team in their division 
much less the AFC. On the other side of the ball, Kerryon Johnson, 18 touches, 110 yards, is the first lines back to top 100 yards rushing since 2013. We were looking for a performance that would move him ahead of the other lines backs, and we got it. Johnson's available in at least 25% of leagues, so one out of four of you has some work to do. LeGarrette Blunt had the same number of carries as Johnson, 16, but much of that came in clock-killing mode. Johnson is the guy. Another guy on that team, or more than just a guy, is Kenny Galladay. He's starting over Golden Tate in two wide sets, so there's no good reason why Tate is 98% owned, while Galladay is only at 79% ownership. You need to pick him up if he's unowned in your league. Anyway, that's all I have for you moving into week four. Be sure to check up at the garbage grab later in the week along with my flex rankings. We've got some other podcasts available for pro members throughout the week. A lot of good information to help you succeed. I know that you know there are some 0-3 teams out there or some one and two teams that are worried. But don't fret. I've won championships after 0-4 starts. It's possible. You just got to get a little trashy to do it. And I'm going to help you do that. Anyways, this is the Trash Man, and this has been the Fantasy Fallout going into week four. Love you, Roster Watch Nation. (laughs) 